that you would have objected to me being here if you had objection to it. I really appreciate the fact that you're friends and that you constantly do that. You've had a lot of your friends that you've told about the various things about the meeting because you have a website that keeps up a record of frequently visited lessons that have done, frequently visited sermons have been done. And so I appreciate very much the fact that a lot of people got to hear and continue to hear what I did at that time about 34 years ago, about four years ago now in a meeting up this way. Zacchaeus, who is this real man? Who is this man in a real way? He is described by Jesus as he meets him and as he makes the request for him to make haste and come down. He is a man who is, uh, we're going to find an honorable man in a trade, in a craft that was not honorable at all in the days of the Roman Empire and the days in which the Jews had people among them that were hired by the Romans to know every cow that was there in Israel, know every sheep, know every fish that had been caught, every tree that had been felled, every kind of work that was being done, they knew. All the goods and services that were delivered to their ports, that they got on those ships and disembarked that and brought it in for sale, all the little guys who were along the roadsides there selling their goods, their linen cloth and one thing and another, they had taxes to be paid on what they did. These men were responsible men as publicans to the activities going on. They were particularly in charge, uh, historians tell us, and you can read these things, if you Google in about publicans in general, you can read these things before the New Testament era, and you can read these things after the New Testament era, and you can see that they were hardly well thought of because monies that they exacted from these taxes were often sent to and a loan basis to the Roman Republic, later on the Roman Empire. As a result of them receiving these goods and services and the taxes from them, they were then paid back certain percentage of that for their livelihood. And obviously the more that they exacted, the more that they would get back to themselves. And since they were fellow Jewish men who were uh, friends of and families of these folks that lived there and were being taxed, they were hated and despised the more because they taxed their own people as a result of the work going on. As we read here, we read a contrast of this man who was a publican and very rich. Contrasted is the earlier chapter in Luke chapter 18, and at verse 18 we see the beginning of the man called by us the rich young ruler. He came to Jesus saying, What good might I do that I might have eternal life? And in the process of Jesus' answer to him, he found himself amiss with one thing, it was the big thing. You see, the first four of the commandments of the Old Testament in Exodus 20 dealt with man's relationship with God. I shall love the Lord thy God, all thy heart. Make no graven image. Not call the name of the Lord God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Jesus cited to him, however, from the last six of those commandments. If you would be perfect, if you'd be complete, he says, at the end of it, 
You go and sell what you have and give to the poor. You shall have treasure in heaven. And he was very sad and walked away, Matthew's account says, very sorrowful, for he had great possessions. If Jesus had said to him just right off the bat, your problem is that you don't love God as you should. He likely would have been in a long fuss. What do you mean I don't love God? I know his word and I obey his word and I'm doing his word. I, I love my fellow man. I've not killed. I've not stolen. I've not committed adultery. I've not coveted. These were the last of the six commandments. Man's relationship to his fellow man. The account tells us that Jesus loved him because of the way he was. And said, if I would be whole, if you'd be complete, if you'd be perfect, go and sell what you have and give to the poor. You will have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. With that, he was saying to him, if you love God more than you love yourself and your possessions, you'll go and do what I asked you to do. And you'll have riches in heaven. But he couldn't do it. He loved what he had. And what he had obtained. To that degree. Now here we have the story of a man who is sad in his situation. And leaving. Then we go into Luke chapter 19. And right off the bat we see Jesus going through Jerusalem. Through Jericho. And as he makes his trip, the caravan is more or less with him as he's going along the way. And they will go ahead of him and they will be there to say, Hosanna, blessed is he is highest when he comes into Jerusalem. But at this point, we read in Luke 19, the account of Zacchaeus. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press of the people, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. When they saw it, they all murmured, saying, that he has gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. 
When we read this account, we ask our question once again, who was this man? We see several facts about him. Most interesting are the facts that he was a publican in that area and he was rich. Moreover, we see that he was a man that had a great interest in seeing this man he had heard about. He wanted to see Jesus. And as the crowd was assembling together, it apparently was assembling in such a way that it made no attention to this publican who had come up behind them. They didn't mar apart the ways and make a way for him to come on up and be their friend when he made his judgments and taxes and everything. They just, they just blocked his path. But he ran ahead. And coming to that sycamore tree, he made use of it so that he could see the one he had come to see. He was interested in him. We see this man from the standpoint of how he talked with Jesus as he heard the people's words of criticism. They murmured that he was a man who was a sinner and Jesus was going to abide in his house today. They couldn't believe that this was the case. In the second chapter of Mark, beginning at verse 9, we see a situation where a man who was uh, filled with palsy and could walk and about was brought by others to be mended by Jesus. You remember the story of it? Let him down through a hole in the roof that they made and put him in front of Jesus. And uh, Jesus noted to them, Thy sins be forgiven thee, thou art whole. Take up thy bed and walk. Criticisms were there. And the criticisms by that group of folks were words about Jesus because he was one who would forgive sin. Only God could forgive sin. And they were not accepting the fact that he was the son of God, not yet. But Jesus, hearing and noting what they were thinking within their heart, he immediately turned to them and said, which is easier to say? Is it easier to say to a man, rise up and walk, or thy sins be forgiven thee? Of course, in their imaginations of eyes and everything, they would say, why well, it's easier to say you can't see sins. So it's easier to say thy sins be forgiven thee. And Jesus said, so that you now may know that the Son of Man, the Son of God, hath the power to forgive sin. I say to the one sick of palsy, rise up, take up thy bed, and walk. And he did. Why did Jesus do the miracles that he did? To establish the fact that he was the Son of God, that he told that which was true and accurate, and he told that in spite of the criticisms of those around about him. This man, Zacchaeus, here in Luke 19, is a man who sees Jesus and says, I'm so impressed by what I see and what I've heard that uh, if I have wronged somebody, I will restore up to a half of what I have wronged for taken from him. Going back to Exodus chapter 22 and verse 1, we read that if the cattle is to be taken and uh, the man caught in that act of deed, he's to restore fivefold of the cow. 
if a sheep is taken, he's to be restored fourfold. Four times as much. Exodus 22.1 You see that this man was somewhat aware and thoughtful of the sheep. And perhaps Jesus mentioning the sheep and my sheep, hear my voice. And he called him by name Zacchaeus was the case that he was so glad that he said, if I have you convict convict me of taking wrongfully, he said, I'll restore fourfold. I'll give back what a sheep that I had falsely taken should receive fourfold. What a blessing that we see in this man's life. And we see Jesus noting to him, Salvation is come to this house. As a son of Abraham, he found himself in a position of authority. Authority of God himself. A child of Abraham was one blessed, and he had this city of Jericho under his charge as a publican. He approved the buildings that were built and so forth. He exacted the taxes from the residents of those buildings. And we're told by the historians of this era and time in in Smith's Bible Dictionary and Fawcett's Bible Dictionary and also in Easton's Bible Dictionary that Jericho was well known for having fields and lanes that were filled with balsam a type of herb, a type of smell good, a type of perfume was made from that. And as a result, it was known to be bought and purchased by people throughout the Roman Empire. It was on demand. It was the Rolex watch of the time to have that Boston fragrance to be in the household and used by people. And monies came back now and then with him having the knowledge of how much was harvested. And that being left alone would grow into trees and they would have high up those Boston blooms. And the smell of it would be good, the fragrance of it would be good. And the people in the Roman Empire wanted that. They wanted it in their homes, they wanted it I guess under their arms when they dated somebody. (laughs) They wanted it when they found themselves anointing themselves to leave out the house. And they bought it. They paid the goods and wares for it. It's important to see that this man was a man who was wealthy. He was a man who was serious about his search. He was a man today who was given a gift of salvation. Thou art a son of Abraham as well. When we read about this, we read about a man who's quite a man. In a little song that we sing with our young people, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree, the Savior for to see. We're accurate in that, but come down from there. I'm going to suffer with thee. No doubt he ate with him that particular day, but Jesus said, I'm going to abide at thy house. Now in the studies you will see in the particular Bible dictionaries, 
You'll note some of them will note the Greek text of this statement of Jesus made and that it applies by the words that were used that not only the daytime but the evening time would be involved in I'll abide in your house today. Not only the daylight hours but perhaps Jesus spent the night there as well. Wonder what the conversation would have been. Conversation about where this plan of the prophets that God had sent predicted about the Christ. And I was born in Bethlehem, just like the prophet Micah had said. In Micah 5 at verse 2, Though thou be least among the thousands of Judah, Yet out of thee shall he come forth who hath been from old, even from everlasting. The Christ came from Bethlehem. Now there are those who in their writings and in their imaginations of talking with God, and they are that, smart men, capable men, deceived an awful lot of people in the world. They tell us that Jesus was born at Jerusalem. But you'll notice that God was a step ahead of anybody who would give another view of that because he described the city in which his son would come. The one that came from old, even from everlasting. Though thou be least among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee, Bethlehem, shall he come forth who hath been from old, even from everlasting. Jerusalem is not the smallest of anything. It's been a place that's been hallowed and they went to Jerusalem for their times of offerings and so forth. Jerusalem was the place in which it was known to be well to do. But Bethlehem, not so. Small among the thousands of Judah. Yet out of thee shall he come forth. The man's coming forth to be the savior of the world. And he now is at the household of this man, Zacchaeus, and he has an offering to him of salvation because he is a son of Abraham. What a blessing we have in this man's life. Now as we move on from that particular thought, I want to stop just a moment and ask if there'll be any question or comment that you might like to make in regard to who this man really is. What's his background? Anybody? I don't know of any document that would tell us how old a person was, but the emphasis was given to his lack of stature, his shortness. He was not very tall. I don't know the ages of it, but able to climb up a tree and that sort of thing tells me that that he wasn't exactly my age of 71. <laughs> and he wasn't exactly a sprite young child bounding up not knowing why he was there. But he was intelligent enough and knowledgeable enough about what he was doing to get where he could see. And so that was the way of it. Any other comments that you made in your study about Zacchaeus and his life? Some of the commentary works will say this is the only mentioned in the book of Luke, not mentioned in Matthew, uh, Mark, or John, in reference to. But there is a Zacchaeus that is mentioned when we read about the other publican that's among the apostles of Jesus, Matthew. 
And Matthew was at the seat of customs in Capernaum when Jesus called him to come and to be fishers of men. And there was a Zacchaeus that was there with him at the time. Don't know that it's this man, but if it is, then it's the case that he is referred to in John's writing, in John, in reference to him time. And in Matthew 10, verse 3, is where Matthew will be called. The whole situation about this means that here's a serious man who is earnest about what he's doing. He has made his money, and he's got a lot of it, but he's made his money in an honorable way. Let me mention one more thing in regard to the general work of the publicans. They were assigned by the Roman Empire under, one step under, the senators in their rule of authority. The senators had the way in which they met and they guided the overall political structure of the Roman government. But these men were working under that view and they had authority to command a, a soldier to be with them or more soldiers than one to be with them and certainly to identify someone who was unwilling to pay the taxes that were owed to bring in the authorities to demand that that be done and they could do that successfully. These men were hated the more because they had that kind of authority. They had that kind of power. Not only asking who he was, but let's ask more questions about this situation. What was the real need of his life? Some people today think that the real need of their lives is to be around something that is religious. If I can just be around a radio broadcast, if I can just be around a, a church service, a worship service, if I can be around the singing that goes on, I don't have to participate in it, mind you. I don't have to be a part of it in any way. I can just be around it and listen to it, and I'm there more of the blessed about it. And that's what I'm looking for, is I'm looking for a joy and a sense of, sense of joy in what I hear what I see being done. But I could give some funds to help that go on. I could be a part of uh, watching at a door and helping to deliver children to a bathroom as the teacher doesn't have to and take them back from a bathroom to their classroom to continue their study. It cuts out stepping out in the hallway and looking at everything and looking at everything and looking at everything. It takes that away when you have somebody who's older, who is able to do just that much in helping to direct them to where they go, what they do. It's a blessing to be able to serve the cause of God in our lives. This man came here for the purpose of seeing Jesus. And he got more, didn't he? He got more than he came there for. When you and I find ourselves as a student of God's Word, and we realize that that Word tells me to be uh, more forgiving than it does to 
hold a grudge against someone? Don't I need to practice what the Lord has said? In, re- in reference to this, in Matthew the 18th chapter, out of Luke, but in Matthew the 18th chapter, he begins at the 13th verse telling about how the people ought to be and act and everything. In the 21st verse, Simon Peter walks up to him and says, Lord, we have left all and followed thee. Now what shall we have? It is the case that Jesus notes to him, you've not left houses and lands and mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters, but for my sake and for the gospels, but that you shall receive now in this time a hundredfold, and in the world to come everlasting life. What a blessing it could be to follow the Lord. But a second time in Matthew 18, down at the last verse, 35, he says, if you do not from your heart, now that involves more than just being in the house. That involves more than just being there present. It involves more than just wanting to see or hear. If you do not from your heart, that gets down to the real you and me. From your heart, forgive those who trespass against you. Neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. There was a song that was penned in Nashville back several years ago. What part of no don't we understand? Well, what part of no do we not understand in that? If you do not from your heart forgive those who have trespasses against you, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. We need to really apply ourselves to who we are and what we really want in life. What we really need in life. And what we really need is that this man needed. He needed the salvation that Jesus offered. He needed the way of life that Jesus taught. And so do we today. There are a lot of brethren I have met through these 58 years of time. You're looking at somebody who's had the privilege to only work with four congregations since I came out of Freed Hardeman College in 1965. (laughs) Four congregations. Worked in the Delta a couple of times, different times, and worked up in the hills around Tupelo area up there for a couple of years of time, and uh, Worked there in Batesville, 35. What a big time. And then now, coming to Crockett. We were planning on just living there in in the Batesville, Panola County area. We enjoyed the people there. Our children grew up there and left us and everything in college and all. And got careers from there. And we thought we'd just rent a place. There there are some some places in town, no matter where you are, that there's a better way to come in at 9 o'clock at night and get out of your car safely and go in the house than there are at other places in that town. You know what I'm saying. So we didn't want to rent a place there and live on there just because that house was available, that place was available. Somewhere along the way, think about who lives around you, what you see when you get home if you're at 9.30 at night and open your door and what do you see. So we wanted to to rent a place that was a little more 
of pleasantness of what we wanted to see. When all of a sudden I get this call from Crockett, which is about seven miles due west of the Interstate 55 there at Senatobia. And they said, we've heard that you are retiring out of Batesville. It's hard to believe. 30, 30, how many years? 35 years. It's hard to believe. And uh, are you really? And I said, yes, I am really. I said, my heart just won't take up the 220 folks we got to work with down there. And I want to just work with those smaller work if I do any work at all in that regard. And I've got gospel meetings for the next five years, and I'm at the end of that five years right now. I do have a few more meetings going on in the future, but I was working at that idea uh, five years. And I said, we're looking for a place to rent here and everything. Why do you want to rent a house there? We'd like to have you move up here to Crockett. We'd like to hear you every Sunday. We've enjoyed the meetings that you've done up this way, and We'd love to have you move up here and live right here and preach for us every Sunday. And uh, the rest of the story is that's what we did. We did a slow movement up that way and box, box, box filled up. And we have the best insulated house in northwest Mississippi. We still have boxes in there. The U-line boxes are wonderful. They do not crush and everything. They stay in put and it's good stuff. And uh, Miss Jane will tell you in a minute that I've got too many in there. But we still have them there, and we're okay. We moved up there to Crockett, and the congregation is back up to about 50 folks in the congregation there. We enjoy and work with them and cooperation with them. But it's a sad, sad thing that we've got there, and this is a point that I'm going to make here. It's a serious point to us all. What kind of need do we have? I went around to visit and talk with people, and I found a great need I didn't realize was there. I got on to myself, and I told Miss Jane, I said, I got on to myself. And she said, yeah, I can understand how we would miss that. The people were really nice and kind to you when you did gospel meetings and all. Yeah, and they tended, yes, they did. But the way they directed their children. Those children now or within a stone's throw of the church building. They have no interest in prayer. No interest in the church and worship. No interest in the death of their loved ones. I've done funeral services there and have people to respond to those services and never shed a tear. Think your grandma would pass away, your grandfather would pass away, your, your mother would pass away, your daddy would pass away, and you never shed a tear? Who's kidding himself when he says, I have a great love for my loved ones? Our Lord told us to do that from our heart. I found out that these good folks were good people. But I found out that they were really concentrated on teaching their children how to make money, how to grow cattle, sheep, pigs. They taught them how to do that and put their thumb on their head and said, you'll do this or you'd better not come home. You'll do this or you'll be beaten within an inch of your life. 
Am I talking to anybody tonight that's had that rearing or done that rearing to their children? You know what happened. When they got big enough to fight, they got big enough to, yeah, yeah, back. They got big enough to leave God too. So they're out of the door. And they don't come back. Sad to say, the need is still there. And I'm glad to say that we can have more personal workers this year and more for the gospel meeting coming up. And I'm looking forward to helping souls of people right and left as we get to the end of July. And more and more of our people inviting others to come. But they have had to learn that because they use their thumb of direction to demand success or you're threatened with an inch of your life. Any comments that you might like to make in regard to this section in which what did this man really need? What did he really need that Jesus was able to offer to him? Salvation he really needed. What do we really need when the Lord tells us to be forgiving of others? When he tells us to direct others in a loving way? Please accept this in the spirit in which it's given. A love for the Lord and a love for his right way. Mm -mm. As we close out the last section of this particular study, I want to note to you in this regard, today Abraham still has children being added to his family. You remember back there in Genesis 12 in reference to Abraham and in Genesis 15 as well, discussion with him and Isaac and all, how that God said, through thy seed, all nations of the earth will be blessed and there will be children as the sands of the sea. Now then, those children would come as the sands of the sea. If we are thinking as they thought all through those years of just the physical child, just the person who is coming, in the family, being the offspring of Abraham. They were missing the point. To the Galatians, Paul would write, he spoke of thy seed as of one, not of many. The spiritual seed was coming, the Christ. And in Galatians chapter 3, beginning verse 24, we're told about a faith that we have and that faith that is moving us toward being baptized into Christ and putting on Christ. And if we have done that, then are we Abraham's what? See. And heirs according to the promise. Late brother Guy in Woods always said, when the words the promise come up again in the scripture. It has reference to that back there in Genesis 12, the promise that God made. He had not forgotten. As we today find ourselves being baptized into Christ, we find ourselves enjoying a new spiritual blessing and we find ourselves being added to the family of God. 
and we find ourselves as descendants of the seed of Abraham. All these missionaries that we're sending various places, and I know that you do hear from Olive Branch, and they're converting people in India and in Kenya and in various other corners of the world. Abraham's seed heirs according to the promise. When we have friends who are listening to this particular study with us and they realize that, hey, this is the work of the Lord that we're talking about. This is the way of life that we're talking about. We're talking about a man, Zacchaeus, who had a certain need on his part, but had a certain blessing that came from that need being met. And when that blessing came to him, he was overjoyed and thrilled about that way. He found himself having something more than he asked for when he came. When you and I read there in Galatians 3, we find when we go forward and we're baptized into Christ and put on Christ, there is new, neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free, male nor female. We're all one in Christ. And as we find that great blessing in our lives, we find ourselves as descendants of Abraham, spiritually speaking. And as we find ourselves in that way, we got a blessing eternally to come our way. It's a promise that God made back in the patriarch time that through the years he worked it so that even though there was one king and Josiah still left, he was of God and the right things were being done. Though there was one to be born of Mary, he came in due time. What does Paul write to the Galatians in Galatians 4 and 4? Christ was born in the fullness of time. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. The Jewish people had a need of salvation. This man had a need of salvation. You and I have a need of salvation. What a blessing we have in life when we can abide with that and embrace the Lord and enjoy that relationship with Him of salvation. When we wake up in the morning, do we thank God for the newness of the day? Do we pray to Him about the opportunities in this day? Do we thank God for the freedom of deliverance from the sleep of the night? As we go through for the day, do we find ourselves thanking God for the food that we eat and the the water that we drink and the air that we breathe, who is the breath of life? Mm -hmm. Who is the water of life? Mm -hmm. Who is the food, the bread of life? We're talking about a relationship that we can think about. And as we face temptations to say things we ought not to say, to do deeds that we ought not to do, we think of a Savior who has promised to give us deliverance from those trials and temptations. In the 26th chapter of Matthew, in verse 41, Jesus said, Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The Spirit indeed is willing, 
but your flesh is weak. How can I overcome that weakness of the flesh to say things I ought not to say? Talked with a man several years ago and he had a particular problem in his life and a lot of it dealt with his words and mannerisms and I asked him where was God when he used those kind of vulgarisms of life? And he said, you know, I've... It's amazing that you asked me that question because I was just thinking the other day, I don't think much about God when I'm saying what I'm saying and roughly speaking as I'm roughly speaking. I don't think much about the presence of God. And so as we studied along, we made it up a deal in which uh, I would call him every day, no matter where I was, the morning time, noon time, or the afternoon time, I'd give a call to him and and I would remind him of a question that we ask, where is God today? And in that six-month period of time, he answered the phone one day and said, I know what the question is, and the answer is, he is with me. He is with me. Do you go through days and days, and it'll be days, and get into weeks and weeks, and there'll be weeks, in which in your sickness, in your illness of words or mannerisms of life, you don't think about Him. You don't think about God. What did Jesus say to do? Watch and pray. Pray to whom? Pray to God. Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The Spirit is willing. You want to. I know you want to, Jesus said. In your heart of hearts, you want to. Not say that, not do that, not be that kind of person. You want to be an example for others to be saved, others to come to the Lord, others to enjoy that forgiveness and salvation from sin. You want to be that kind of example. In the process of life, what do I want to be? I want to be what Jesus wants me to be. And so in facing temptation, I want to do what he said. Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. Though your spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. When somebody passes you and comes in quickly and they threaten your life on the highway. Think about it ahead of time. Think about that possibility. Pray to the Lord that I will use good judgment then. I'll not get into a road rage that's so common to get the pistols out and the shootings to be done and things like that. I will serve him more than I serve myself. I'll think about my prayer life to God. And I'll be watchful and prayerful. Do you have some other areas in which that you would think that the Bible might speak that would help people that you know uh, around you and around the church and around the hospital and around wherever you work and labor better? What kind of needs do people have? 
there was a big need that I was made aware of by a family, that they were in times of pain, physical pain. They had pain in their feet and in their shoes, not fitting right. They had pain in their knees and their joints, not doing right. They had pain as they faced life. And no one seemed to understand that they had pain. And it was frustrating to them to tell people that I, 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 I wasn't a part of worship because of pain. And to ask people to pray for them. Do we not need to pray for them and for ourselves if somebody is abiding in pain? Pain of remorse pain of bereavement. There's pain associated with physical pain, as I illustrated. There are pains associated with my mental condition and where I'm going, what I'm doing. Can I think of God and His way to help me and deliver me? A passage that is flashed on the screen up here a few minutes ago, which is a great, great passage in Isaiah 42 and 3. When you pass through the waters, I will do what with you? I will be with you. Who is the one that's going to be with us? God's going to be the one. I will be with you. What a blessing it is to have him available to us. And that's the way of life that he's had us to do. When you make these changes in life, you become a person who's talking in a loving way and acting in a lovely disposition and making changes and telling old friends and old situations, I no longer am there, I'm no longer doing that, I'm no longer being that kind of person. They will say odd things about you. And when they say odd things about you, Will you go back and revert back to that way of life? Or will you be a person as in 1 Peter 4 and at 4? They speak regarding your odd. You no longer continue to go with them through the excesses. If you find your life being that way, you find yourself in the blessings of the Lord. He is going to be with you and care for you. And the old friends and the old ways will be jealous of it. They'll want you back. For what purpose? To go nowhere fast and to end up nowhere you really want to be. Zacchaeus was a man who ended up with a greater blessing in his life as he came to climb in a tree and see Jesus. Come down, haste and come down from there. I'm going to abide in thy house today. And Jesus did. And he will abide in your way and mine. It's been a joy to be with you tonight. And thank you for your participation with me. And thank you for your listening as you have. God bless you in every good way. And if you ever offered opportunity to be down about 28 miles from here, uh, down to Senatobia Way, just remember when you pass by Senatobia, you're seven miles removed on Highway 4 <laughs> as to where Crockett is located. And uh, we'd love to have you and be with you at any time. We love you and appreciate the work here at Olive Branch and wish you well in the missionary work that you do and the work that you do with GBN and all that's involved. Keep the website going, and if this is a part of website tonight, then fine. If not, uh, this will be a part of the Truckett MS Church of Christ website.
the lady down in Florida said, you'll have to add MS to it. Said there's a, there's a Crockett, Texas, and said it always is going to Texas when I put in just Crockett, Church of Christ. And I said, I don't want to send people to Texas. I want them to come here to this. And she said, well, just add MS. That's from Mississippi. And she said, they'll stay here in this way, and they have. We've got right at 4,000 every month that come to our website and our Training School for Better Service website, which we train preachers and teachers and personal workers. We have about 4,000 there that come to that site as well. From all over the world, they come to that site. So we're glad of it. But thank you all for everything. Appreciate your time. Thank you, brother. Mm -hmm.